Potosi, Wisconsin, population 688. At first glance, this tiny town located on the banks of the Mississippi River looks just like any other. It's got a couple of bars, a gas station, a church, a bunch of farms, and is very quiet and unassuming. But Potosi is so much more than that because of one singular thing. The Potosi Brewery, a beer maker unlike any other as all of its profits go to charity. And after being closed for decades, the community pitched in, helped it out, and brought it back to life. Potosi Foundation Volunteer President Dave Fritz recently gave me a grand tour of the brewery and a little history lesson as well. The original brewery was built in 1852 and then operated continuously until it shut down in 1972. At its peak, it was the fifth largest brewery in the state of Wisconsin. And when you think of Wisconsin breweries, that's a pretty good size brewery. They were doing about 65,000 barrels of beer, actually taking beer all the way to California and then uh, to the east, uh, out to New York. And after it shut down, the building just went into a state of ruin. And the community got behind the project to say, let's save this building. And in um, 1997, uh, Gary David, the woodworker, uh, came back to Potosi, where he was originally born, bought this building for a little over $6,000 and had a couple of his cousins invest as well. I wouldn't say an investment, but uh, they, they just wanted it not to get torn down. And they started doing some repairs, and uh, the project was uh, overwhelming. Uh, the cost to get the asbestos and lead paint out was in excess of a half a million dollars in the initial estimate. So the community got behind the project, and in 2000 we formed the Potosi Foundation. And through a series of fundraising and some grant writing and the Tom Jeffress Foundation out of Janesville, uh, we opened in 2008 after three phases of construction, and we had a small brewery here in addition to uh, the brew pub. And then during that process, trying to figure out what we wanted to do with it, uh, the American Brewing Association, which is the largest collector group of brewing history, in North America wanted a Midwest location for the National Museum, so we competed for that, and they narrowed their search down to um, a couple of other little uh, beer communities in the Midwest in Potosi, uh, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Potosi, and uh, we were selected because it really depicted the history of all towns having a little bitty brewery or several breweries uh, back in the uh, 18 and early 1900s. Now that we know a little bit about the place, it's time to see how exactly they make their beer. The first stop on my brewery tour was in the grain room. A very important area of the brewery, and what we're trying to do is use our malt, which is generally a barley that's been put in water to the point where it almost germinates, and they dry it back down, and it can be flavored with a lot of different things, from caramel to chocolate, and there's probably a hundred different kinds or more of specialty malts out there. And so then the malt goes very carefully through a milling process and then goes into the grist topper, and then the grist topper is where the malt is held until the brewer calls for the malt to go into the um, mash mixer, which is the first stage on the brewing platform in getting the starches and sugars removed from the, from the malt. And we've got two base malts that we use. We use a, a two-row and we use a Pilsner malt. And those deliveries come in uh, by the semi-load. And we got two 60,000-pound silos outside. And then we use a lot of specialty malts as well. And they come in either 2,000-pound totes or 50-pound bags. And the great thing about a lot of our malts is that most of them come through Brees Malting and Brewing Company out of Chilton, Wisconsin. And Brees is, I believe, the world's largest specialty malt manufacturer, uh, and they're sitting right here in Wisconsin. So uh, anytime we can use locally sourced products, we do that. A lot of the barley is not necessarily grown in Wisconsin because of the growing climate, but that's changing as well. We're seeing more and more farmers get really good uh, strains of 
of barley and consistent strains of barley that can be used in the uh, brewing process. Ever since the Super Bowl, the big topic of discussion has been corn syrup. So I figured since I was in a place where beer was being made, I might as well ask Dave about his thoughts regarding corn syrup usage. We don't have a, a we don't use a lot of corn or a lot of corn syrup, but um, if there's ingredients that are going in the beer, there's there, there's a reason for that, and um, I think the consumer most important consideration is how does the beer taste when it's done mm-hmm. and uh you know whether it's uh, whether it's barley or whether it's uh rice or whether it's uh corn um there's a lot of great ingredients that go into making beer and there's so many different styles of beer and each one is uh, uh you know, has a different fl- flavor after the grain room we hit the stairs and headed up to the brew deck where dave showed me all sorts of equipment and explained to me just how it worked and we've got the uh, mash mixer which is where the malted uh, milled grain comes in and they start breaking down the starches and sugars and from there it gets transferred over to the water ton and that's where they start extracting the starches and sugars out of the grain and then it goes into the boil kettle and that's stage three and it will boil anywhere from 60 minutes to 90 minutes depending on the recipe and the and the, and the uh, brewer's uh, desire to uh, for that particular product and then from there it goes over to the whirlpool and that's where the uh, the the wort is put in a spin and it starts moving some of the coagulated proteins and solids to the middle of the of the uh, of, of the uh, of the whirlpool and then after that it stops and then the liquid is extracted and goes from there into the fermentation vessel and that's where the yeast comes in and starts the fermentation process so the equipment is manufactured in Darlington, Wisconsin by Darlington Dairy Supply and they did an outstanding job of getting this put together again we looked at trying to find as many local companies that could help us out as possible and we're really pleased with the support uh, provided by uh, uh, the Thule family and Darlington Dairy Supply. Dummy me, but I was very surprised slash also really glad to hear that a brewery was using equipment made by a dairy manufacturer and it really showed me that agriculture is involved in the beer making process more than you might think. Now before I start rambling back to the beer making process, here's Dave explaining what happens after the whirlpool. So once the wort gets transferred out of the whirlpool, it's cooled down to maybe 68 degrees and then goes into the conical bottle bottom uh, fermenter. And at that point, the yeast gets put in, which starts the process of, uh, of creating the alcohol. And there's a lot of CO2 that's released. And so it'll ferment anywhere from, um, you know, five to seven to eight days and um, through its active fermentation process. And we have uh, different quantities of tanks. Uh, the universal measurement for beer is a barrel of beer. And, and, and it's always a fun question that we ask people, but a barrel of beer is 31 gallons. And um, what you normally see as, a, as the big container is a half barrel, mm-hmm. and that would obviously be 15 and a half gallons. With that, you get the gist of the brewing process. And not long after it's fermented, it's bottled or kegged, packaged, and then shipped off to your favorite neighborhood bar. Throughout my entire tour, I was so excited to see just how much the Potosi Brewery was using Wisconsin agriculture to its advantage. Many of the wheats were locally sourced, and even the equipment was made by a dairy manufacturer. But that's not all. As my tour began to wind down, Dave took me out back behind the building and showed me a wagon filled with what looked like a bunch of grain byproduct of some sort. Well, once the malt is done with its 
work in the brewery, which is basically we've taken the starches and sugars out that we want. It's pumped out into a into, into some type of a container or a wagon or a truck, and then we have a local farmer that takes the product and then blends it with whatever supplements they want and feed it to their cattle. And it's a it's a it's a great product. It's a great filler, and uh, it's a good way to uh, take a, a byproduct and uh, turn it into something really good for agriculture. <laughs> the circle of agriculture was very abundant to me while touring the facility. At this point, it was getting time for me to leave, but Dave wanted to show me one more thing before I left. And for this stop on the tour, I probably should have brought a jacket. Josh, we're back in the cave, and back in the 1800s, you didn't have any way to keep uh, beer cold, so they actually mined a cave back into the hill, and that's where they stored the uh, product to keep it cold. They also had an ice house, so they cut uh, ice out of the Mississippi River when it was frozen, stock it in sawdust and then that would keep the ice from melting all the way during the summer and then they use that to supplement the temperature and yeah this this is the coolest part of the whole facility (laughs) it certainly is considering that we do live in the state of beer and there's so much competition i was curious to know about what dave saw as being some of the advantages that maybe a smaller brewery such as potosi has over larger breweries such as miller coors the smaller breweries can be a little bit more creative and uh, they, they've got some great uh, styles. They can experiment with different styles of beer. We have our core beers, and then we have some seasonal beers that we brew every year. Uh, we have uh, five different styles of barrel-aged beer that we, that we brew. But we try to bring something new into the market every uh, couple of years. We've got a, a new uh, a Potosi Lux Lager that's coming out in June, uh, which is uh, uh, low-carb, low uh, uh, low-calorie, and uh, also low-alcohol content beer which is and but yet the unique thing about it it's got some flavor to it mm-hmm. so we can hit all those profiles but yet have some really great flavor to that beer and finally what exactly is the one thing that dave wants everyone to know about the potosi brewery if you know the story behind something uh you're going to appreciate it a little bit more and uh we're the only not-for-profit production brewery in the united states to the best of our knowledge it was set up kind of like newman's own and the newman foundation and uh our whole idea is to Certainly, uh, first and foremost, make really good beer, have a world-class museum, and uh, make sure that our operations can sustain ourselves. And uh, our guests and, and uh, people that come through here, hopefully they leave and, uh, and they understand uh, that if they drink a Potosi uh, beer, uh, you know, part of that, uh, that money is going back to charity. That was Dave Fritz, the volunteer president of the Potosi Foundation, and I cannot thank him enough and his staff for their hospitality. It was well worth the drive from Madison over to Potosi to tour the brewery, and it was so incredible to see just how much they support Wisconsin agriculture and include it in their products. With that being said, after this report, I think I need to go grab myself a beer. Reporting from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Josh Scramlin.